If you would, go ahead and take your copy of God's Word, and please turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew this morning, and we'll be looking expressly at Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. So Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. As we begin this new year, 2024, it might just be that you're beginning the year with a great deal, as, you know, Dennis said a moment ago, with anticipation, with expectation and hope. And to that, I say, amen. We are right to begin the year every year, not even in view of everything going on around us, but always in view of Christ our King. That's where we're headed, to his everlasting kingdom and glory. And so it is right for us to come with great expectation and hope. Yet, as we begin this new year, I want to encourage you, and I want to encourage you to this. I want to encourage you to rest to rest. Now, what do I mean? You know, where can we go for that, for rest? You know, we hear a lot about rest, so what can we, or where can we go for rest? Well, today, we are living in a spiritual desert, a world in need of God. You know, even with everything going on in our world, with its advancing technologies, its, you know, social media, its internet communities, right? <laughs> you know, high, uh, kind of quotations on that, communities. There we know that's not community. If you know your Bible, that's not community. You know, uh, gathering uh, in, not in person or watching at home is not community. That's not church. And so we recognize that. So amidst all these things, internet communities, and even knowledge that, you know, keeps on expanding and expanding and expanding, what do we find? We find in our world that it is a desert. Where you will find many claiming to have what you need. Even claiming to have the rest that you are longing for. Rest here. And as he goes on, he, he looks here and he looks there, uh, somewhere, anywhere, where he can just sit down finally and fully and just rest, even to just briefly ease himself of his burdens. Uh, yet, again and again, what does he find? That sign. No rest here. And so what does he do? He turns and he looks and searches everywhere. He turns to money. He turns to religion. He turns to family. He turns to his work. He turns, and he turns to his pleasures. He turns to the sexual revolution. And what does he find? No rest here. Yet, 
there in the thick of a dry and weary land, a new sign arises. A sign that says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Amen. Now there it is. There is where rest can be found. Well, this morning, this is just what is set before us. Not in the abstract, not in theory. This isn't a fake kind of, oh, fooled you, sorry, no rest here. Also, this is real rest. And this is exactly what we need. This new year. Even every year. We need this rest. And so to see this, let's look here beginning with Matthew chapter 11. And I'll start in verse 20 for the sake of context. So Matthew chapter 11 verse 20. And I'll read to verse 30. May the Lord bless the reading and preaching of his word. Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it would be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted in he to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you have been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more, more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal to him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. Now here we have some incredible and profound words. They are rich, even very rich, and certainly very deep as well. Now, you have likely heard those last verses here of our passage perhaps many times, and how rightly they comfort and help us. But as you see, right, that's not all that this says. 
So before Jesus gets to those words there, we have Jesus' words here in verses 25 through 27. And wow, they are both weighty, profound, and wonderful. And as we saw, as I read the passage here, they come off the hills of verses 20 through 24, where it's not this picture of everyone kind of like, oh, wow, here's Jesus, you know, open arms, right? That's not the picture that we have from verses 20 through 24. But what is the picture? Rejection. Rejection of Christ. Rejection of the Lord. So woes to Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. If the works that have been done in them had been done in Tyre and Sidon and Sodom, they would have repented. A weighty message. A condemnation from Jesus upon these cities. So it's within that context that we have Jesus' words here in verses 25 through 30. And here we see this. We see in God's sovereign hiding and revealing we are to praise him. In God's sovereign hiding and revealing, we are to praise him. Now these are vital verses here for 2024. So these verses began, and they begin where we ought to begin. And where is that? It's with a God-centered focus. Now, in our day, we are confronted and pressured on all variety of fronts just on this issue. In our day, this is all reversed. It's all about you. Understanding yourself. It's all about your goals. It's all about your plans. And if we have time, which we probably won't, we'll throw God in as well. Now, that is all wrong. That's not the way that we're to think of God, of his word, or even this service right now. You know, it's as the reformers said, in order to rightly know ourselves, we must first know God, not vice versa. You will never know yourself unless you first know God. And who he is. And what he has said. And this is exactly what we see here. We see a God-centered view of everything. And so it's in light of that we have this. We have also this reason, a reason for thanksgiving. A reason for thanksgiving. And so as Jesus so often does, he goes against the grain of sin and the world and he begins with exaltation and thanksgiving as he reflects on the sovereign wisdom of the Father. 
And he says there in verse 25, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Now this is where we need to begin this year. Right there. 2024 must start here. And it must start here with this question. For you and for me and for all of us, and it's this question, who is Lord? Who is Lord? Now this goes right on down into every thread of your life, of my life, and of our lives even as you consider what you believe, does your theology begin with you? Or does it begin and hinge upon God and His Word? Amen. So who is Lord? Well, we have our answer here, don't we? God is Lord over all things. The Father is Lord of heaven and earth. It's with a you know, biblical, God-centered view that we look at Psalm 115.3. And we don't look at it and say, how dare he? But we look at Psalm 115.3 and we smile. And we say, yes, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. That's a God-centered view of all things. Amen. And this is why Jesus glories and exalts in the Father here. He's saying, yes, Father, you are good in all you do, in all your dealings with man, in your hiding and in your revealing. Praise you. God-centered view. And if you will not have that view from Jesus, you will not get it from anywhere or anyone. So see that and see this here. See the Father's good and gracious will in hiding and revealing. This is what Jesus exalts in as he begins these verses, the Father's infinite wisdom and goodness and hiding and revealing as he wills. What's primary? God. It's his good pleasure. Or as he says there in verse 26, for such was your gracious will, hiding and revealing. Now see in this, and not just here, but so many places in our Bible, see God is not ashamed of this. This passage is here right before us, and nor as we see that God is over-hiding and over-revealing, God is not faulted here in any way for hiding or revealing as he pleases. He's good. And Jesus looks at this and smiles. Yes. Praise you, Lord. He doesn't look at this and go, how dare you? We do that, and we're wrong. But he doesn't do that, 
and he is right. His hiding is righteous, it's good, and it comes even as his righteous judgment. It's his righteous judgment when Jesus says here in verse 25, you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding. Now, who are those? Who are those who are the wise and understanding? Well, I think he is very likely referring back up to verse 23. In you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? For some reason, they were exalting themselves. We're wise and understanding. We're not told why. But no, they will be brought down to Hades. So who are these? These are those who are self-sufficient. They are blind, and yet they think that they see. Wow. What a warning for us. Blind, and yet they think they see. They consider themselves wise, even exalting themselves, as Capernaum does here. Now, this is the indictment that Jesus gives also to the Pharisees, doesn't he? In the Gospel of John. So after he had healed a man who was born blind, as incredible as that would be, he makes this point after all is said and done in John chapter 9, verse 39 through 41. It says, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Now as we see this, I'm not sure exactly what you may have in mind here. As you think of wise and understanding. So let's be clear on this. Understand, Jesus is not simply talking about those who know a lot. He's not talking about them. It is right for you to know the word of God. Over and over and over again in scripture, you are told to do that. To be planted by streams. A tree planted by streams of water. Why? Because you're meditating upon the word day and night. Psalm 1. It's not just about knowing a lot here. Those who fall into this category, they might have a PhD. Or they may not have taken even one step into college or university or seminary whatsoever. So who are these? It's those whose heads are filled, yet their hearts are empty. It's those who love to hear, they love to study, they love to wrangle over much, while little of God in his word has little to, to really no real impact on them or on their lives. 
You know, it's why Jesus rebuked Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And you know that chapter, right? Where Jesus talks about being born again. Jimmy Carter, you know, brought this to the limelight, right? I'm a born again Christian. Born again, John chapter 3. After he, he, told, he told Nicodemus, you need to be born again. You are spiritually dead. And outside of the Spirit of God blowing where He wills, giving you life, you won't have life. But you need that life, Nicodemus. And so what does He ask Nicodemus? In John 3.10, He says and asks him, Are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. He knew a lot more than probably anyone in this room when it comes to the Old Testament. Yet he did not get it. And did not understand it. Yet as we see that though, this isn't just those who have maybe a lot of knowledge and empty hearts. This is not a call away from the word. Then, having heard that, like just head, like I need to not fill my head maybe, or maybe I just need to do something else. It's not a call to go away from the word to kind of a subjective sentimentalism, emotionalism, mysticism, relativism. We can so often go exactly that direction. Well, that's just the way that you view that. This is the way you view this even in conservative, Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches. We're not called to move away from the word to mere sentimentalism or subjectivism. This is not a call to move away from the word, but you and I and all of us to move toward it. It's a call to really hear it, to really receive it, and to really take it in. In your soul, take it in. Live it out, take it in. You're pondering it day and night, take it in. Your marriage is defined by it. Your parenting is impacted by it. Your work is understood by it. Everything. The government, that prayer I prayed a minute ago, maybe you're like, that was offensive. Well, you are offended by Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2. If you were offended. It's taking in those passages in the midst of a world, governments that are broken and saying, I'm taking that in and I will honor the Lord in honoring governing authorities. Even the worst of them. Which is what Paul was experiencing and the Christians were experiencing in Romans and 1 Peter. So really taking this in. It's not a, to a self-sufficiency through empty pride or a self-sufficiency through sentimentalism that we're called to. But it's you and me humbled by the word, humbled by Jesus and by the truth rather than avoiding it, lightening it, or rejecting it. So rather than these things, as Jesus says here, as in the gospel, Jesus, life, repentance, these things being revealed to the self-sufficient, wise and understanding, who does he say that they are revealed to? The Father's good pleasure is to reveal them to little children. 
to the weak and to the feeble and to the humble. You know, as Tyler read a moment ago from Matthew chapter 18, it's to those, to little children, he is revealed. And that's what we are to be. That's what you are to be. That's what I am to be. You and I are to turn and become like these little children. What if perhaps, like in a service like this, we have the most to learn demeanor-wise in regard to children in our service, in our lives? We say, well, let's just put them in a corner, make them quiet and everything else. When Jesus, Matthew 18, says, no, you see them. You need to see them. That's what you need to be like, is these little children. Are you like that? Like humble, hopeful children whose hope is not and would not be in themselves, but is in God. As you know, we have been walking through 1 Corinthians. And what does Paul say in 1 Corinthians chapter 1? He basically says this verse here. Chapter 1, verse 27. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. That's this verse. And so we see this here. Praising him, thanking him, and the hiding and revealing. Rather than looking at it and going, ugh, praise you. Yet we also see here, under that first point, the centrality of the Son. The centrality of the Son. So again, just see what Jesus says there in verse 27. I'm going to read it. Again, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Father, ex- or no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. And these are... Incredible words. You may have heard these words a lot, but let me just encourage you. We are getting an intimate glimpse into the Trinity here. Like, wow. You know, I mean, these are weighty things that Jesus is speaking of here. Weighty things that we must be clear on as well. Scripture makes clear that there is only one God who has eternally existed as three co-equal, co-eternal, distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, one God, three persons. And if you don't believe that, regardless of what church or denomination you may be part of, if you do not believe in this God, you do not believe in God. This is as He has revealed Himself. There's not another option. And so within this, within the Godhead, the Father knows the Son 
and the Son knows the Father, and all things have been given to the Son, such that whoever the Son chooses to reveal to the Father within the Trinity, between the Father and the Son, in that choosing is complete agreement between Father and Son. And the only way to know the Father is through the Son. Now these verses, there are many passages we could go to, probably spend the rest of this morning going to them, especially in the Gospel of John. But this rings of many of those, but certainly it rings of John chapter 14, verse 6. I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. No one can know God outside of Christ. His sovereign grace. No one can know the Father outside of knowing Jesus. Now all of this is very profound and glorious. Yet see how this relates to us. Maybe you're thinking, well, this has nothing to do with 2024. It has everything to do with 2024. 24 has everything to do with you in 2024. How so? Well, you and I need to admit who is Lord over all things and be humbled in 2024. Friends, you are not Lord over this year. God is. Do you believe that? In your plans, in your work, in your education, in your ups, your downs, you need to see, you and I, we all need to see who the Lord is. God is Lord. You are not Lord over your days, over your life, over haven, nor am I. And so hear this passage in your heart. Believe it. Don't let it sit on the outskirts, but believe what Jesus says here as a fact. And see that you are not in control. And you need to be okay with that because you're not in control. You are not God. So let that settle over you right now, this year, and in all things. Being among the wise and understanding is not your answer. I think that is one of the greatest temptations that we have been living in within America for many, many years. That is not your answer. Pride and self-sufficiency is not your answer. It's not our answer. You are in need, and your need is Christ. So learn, learn. Say it again, learn from the little children. Get low this morning and be humbled by God in these great and glorious truths. Don't refuse to listen. 
don't refuse to repent like all of these, Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. Don't be like them, but lay it all down. Let go of your pride. Let go of your reputation. Let go of your plans. And die so that you can live. Because if you don't die, you won't live. It's the only path forward is this. So we see then, in seeing God's sovereign hiding and revealing, what are we to do? We are to praise Him. And then second, also in His gracious call, we are to come and take and rest in Him. These are the verses, of course. Now, here we are in familiar territory here that many of you have so often heard and been comforted by. I mean, me included. I mean, again and again and again. And even last week with Daniel Weaver, he was alluding to this passage again and again as he preached on Psalm chapter 2 or Psalm 2. And so we are rightly comforted by these verses. Yet hear them this morning. Here stands the Son the incarnate Lord, Jesus Christ, amidst the desert land of our world, where we are living right now, where you have no place to rest. And I mean that. You won't find the answer in the world. And now here he is, and he declares here and now where you can find rest. And so we move from the Father's sovereign hiding and revealing and the Son's choosing from God's sovereign working to now this public general call to everyone there. And so as you hear this, as he's saying this, correction, he's not saying, all right, what you all need to do, I just said choosing, which is true, I do choose, in God's sovereign, mysterious providence and sovereignty, he does that, but he's not telling you to figure out, okay, now, he's not saying, all right, right now, what I want you to do is to figure out whether you're chosen or not. He's not saying that at all. What does he do? He simply says, come, one and all, come like a child, come to me. And you will have me. That's what he says. And so here we have a call for you. And for me and for all of us. A call to the overwhelmed and to the undone this morning. It's a call to the empty-handed. Are you empty-handed this morning? It's to those who would simply say, Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. And that's it. And so he declares to you, to you, 
Hear him, Jesus speaking to you right now. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Friends, today, in him is your rest. It's not found in the prideful, self-sufficient way of the Pharisees. You won't find it there. You know, Jesus, he pronounces woes to those, to the Pharisees, even as, those, as he does in Matthew 23, woes to those who, echoing this passage, tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them even with their finger. Matthew 23, 4. That may be the Pharisees. That may be those who are in that category of the wise and understanding, the self-sufficient. But that is not Jesus. In Jesus, you can cast all your burdens on him this morning. All your sins, all your fears, all your worries, all your anxieties, all your guilt, all your debt. You can cast all these things upon him. And what will he do? He will take them. And you will find rest. So who here needs to do just that this year and even right now? Are you overwhelmed and undone today? We'll see where you need to go and see what you need to do and what all of us need to do. We need to be united to him. Be united to him. The yoke that Jesus speaks of here in verses 29 through 30, it was this wooden frame which connected two animals. It linked them together. Now, and this has to do with masters as well, dependent on who has that yoke, who's putting that yoke on you. You might have a a good master or a bad master. Now, the world's yoke, the Pharisees' yoke, the legalists' yoke, is a no-good master. But that is not what Jesus is, is he? That is not Christianity. It's demonic. Jesus is the best master. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. This is not a call to be united with those old impossible masters, but to be united with this gentle and lowly master with Christ the Lord. Here we have the best master. Here, friends, is rest. Here is revival. Salvation for your soul. This master is not like the hardened, wise, and understanding. What is he like? He is like a humble child. Gentle and lowly is he. 
Well, you and I need learn from him. While the prideful and self-sufficient think that they have nothing to learn, even aiming to draw disciples after themselves, the humble child of God is a lifelong learner. Amen. A lifelong child in the school of Christ, learning, loving, walking, and living by faith in Him. And so may we learn from Him as we begin 2024. And may we do that in several ways. First, consider anew this year, or Christ anew this year, by specifically aiming at growing in your love for the Son. As we do that, as you do that, you will learn. You will gain knowledge. But that is not all you are to do. You are to love him and grow in your love for him. You are to treasure him, adore him, and be amazed at him. Is that not what children are like? How can we learn, or how much even we do have to learn from a child and their simple, profound faith, their simple, just trusting, loving devotion? Well, that is to be you, and that is to be me. Not hard, not walls up, not, I'm not going to live for him. Not, I'm not going to just worship him and adore him. Not that I'm, I'm not going to just hide him or keep him to myself. We want to tell everyone about the one we adore. Amen. And so what does that mean? That means a cold, unaffectionate, unmoved heart needs to be addressed this morning. This may well mean you need Christ for the first time. As in, you never really knew him in the first place, first time. It may mean that, or it may mean you need to wake up and to see your need for Christ anew this morning. You who are carrying the burdens of your sins, the great weight of your rules, carrying your great burdens, holding fast to self-righteousness, claiming perfection but not having it, the unbelieving here, the holier than thou here, whoever you are, anyone, everyone, be humbled and come and come not to me, but to him, to Christ. Come and find rest in him. Come and let your fire for the sun, your love for Christ, be not a smoldering wick any longer, but let it be a blazing fire that never ceases to burn for Christ and for God's glory. So consider Christ anew this year by specifically aiming at growing in your love 
for the Son. And second, consider Christ anew this year by specifically aiming at growing in, resting in, hoping in, living unto, treasuring, and being revived through Christ and His Word. A child will sit by the fire of God's Word and they'll just take it in. And as they're taking it in, they're not thinking, wow, this is a burden here, is it? Right? They're not going to be thinking, man, this is, this is just a terrible thing. This is, no, this is a burden to me. That's not what they'll be thinking. It's no burden, but it's a delight And it is a treasure. This burden isn't uh, isn't found in not resting in Christ and not taking up His Word. It's in taking up His Word. It's in looking to Christ that your burdens will be no more. How do you see the Word? How do you see Christ this morning? How do you see this preaching right now? How do you see this service? Isn't it just this big burden before you? Well, that is a red flag of hearts that are unaffectionate and unmoved by glorious things. Unmoved by the fire of God and His Word. This is what John wrote about God and love of God and His commands. In 1 John 5, he says, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So reflect on and ponder and read and study and sit by the fire of his word and rest and burn for him all the more this year, all the more today, all the more right now. So where are you looking? Where are you looking for rest today? Where are you looking for revival Where are you looking for hope? Is it still to your burdens and your weights and your rules and your plans that you are going? Friends, you are not the Savior. I'm not the Savior. But there is a Savior. And it's Christ. In Christ today, then, there is rest. There is hope, there is life, and there is revival. So in the midst of the desert then, see what you and we need to do. We need to take up these words and be humbled like a child and come to the gentle and lowly Savior. This year, It's not to self we're being called to. 
There's no rest there. You need to hear that. There's no rest there. There's no hope or hope, help or hope there. It's not to another Savior that you're being called. It's not to another word that we are to turn. We need, even must, turn here to Him, to His Word. And friends, there and then, as He says, He will give you rest and you will find rest for your souls. Let's pray. Father, we come. And as we do, may we do just what we've seen here. May we rest. Not in ourselves and our plans. We're not Lord. We're not God. We're not the Savior. But may we rest in the Savior today. Help us, Lord, to do that. May that be our response as we take up and take in these words. May we learn from children. Perhaps we have not been learning but we've actually just been growing harder and harder. Help us to come humbly before you today. If it means just bowing there in our pews, if it means coming to these steps, whatever it means, Lord, whatever way we may do it, may we be humbled and come to you as a humble child and seek your face and rest in our Lord today. In Jesus' name, amen.